caught offside with Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. Oh, yes. Caught offside, just outside New York City. And from an apartment in Brooklyn, New York, Andrew Gunling and JJ Devaney. What's up, brother? Hey, Andrew. How are you? How's life? Oh, doing well. Doing well. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It was one of those weekends, I, I football-wise anyway. I was just like, okay. It, there, was, there were a few games. I, I feel like I watched a lot of, of stuff. You know, I know there was only a yeah. few games, but, but I feel like I saw a lot. And then, you know, it was, I, it was, it was obviously I switched to NFL mode on, on, on Sunday, even though I watched the games on Saturday, obviously, as well. It's, it, it's a great, it's a great time if you're a, a, a dual code supporter that you like both codes of football because you get your soccer in the morning and then you have these fantastic NFL matchups. This this it's, weekend in the NFL is my favorite of the year. Oh, I, I, I four I, games I, and you and you've kind of weeded out the the pretenders. Like you've got eight teams left that are legit usually. Mm. Um, I, and, I just and, think this weekend's the best. Yeah, and there was there was there was compelling games in the Premier League. I mean, you know, not yeah. Forest and Brent, Forest and Brentford was interesting. Um, I, I feel like I kind of looked at the the other side of things, the the lesser studied. Mammals of the Premier League, uh, West Ham and Sheffield United was, I mean, a thrilling finish. Oh, that, at the end of that game had everything, and then you know, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of, I'm glued into the, I'm plugged into the Bundesliga right now as well, yeah. Which is, which is really, really great, and long may that continue. Um, and Spain, yeah. I thought La Liga delivered one, it's one of its most incredible weekends of the year with. With what happened in the the Girona match, Real Madrid's, I mean, we'll get to it, but the controversy of that game was hilarious. Uh, so we'll talk about that. Barcelona had an incredible, I mean, it was, La Liga was was on fire this weekend You're, too. Yeah, I, I, I gave La Liga short shrift. Well, don't worry. Um, I got gotcha. you. Oh, I know. You're, you're, you're our La Liga correspondent. You're our man in Madrid, old Andy. Um, <laughs> Andres, Andres, Andres. Well. <laughs> there was one point though this weekend where I was like okay do something other than sports because I had just finished one of the NFL games and we'd eaten a bit of dinner and Darcy wanted to watch something and I wanted to watch something that wasn't sports and in my hand I'd realized I'd spent 20 minutes scrolling through uh, St. Pauli Twitter the, the Bundesliga 2 side uh, they're having a, a fan issue now where their international supporters groups are literally saying, right, we don't support St. Pauli anymore because of the stance they've taken on Gaza. And I'm just looking at my phone here, reading this stuff, and I'm like, that's enough. That's enough. You're too... You, it's, th- there is a limit to which the brain can handle all this stuff, and you need to stop. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's enough. Do something else. Watch yeah. something else. Go for a walk. Do any of those things. Like there is, there is a point as a, as a sports fan where it's all consuming. And you know, I have a daughter now, and she's very cute. Maybe enjoy that. Um, yeah. Read a book. Read a book. Go for a walk. Go for a pint. Dude, just put your phone down. I think the phone, the phone is what swamps it. Really, there was a time where you could walk away from the sport once the the live game was over on the television. It might occupy parts of your brain, fair enough. But now there's no escape. Everything's still there. 
Yeah. Uh, and it's just so easy to access. I mean, that's mm. the thing. It's just so easy. I know. But do you, do you remember the period I went through where I was uh, heavily involved in like more my brain was heavily involved in like lower league soccer arguments in the United States. Do you remember that? And I, and they spilled onto the podcast to the point where you had to take me to the side and say, no one cares. Yeah. And I rare, and I don't like using those words because I think that it alienates. There are people out there that, that care about a lot of things. And sometimes what you say, no one cares about is one of those things and it alienates people, but you needed to be, it was the only way I knew how to get through to you in that moment. It yeah. was like a slap, a verbal slap to the face. And you need it. Sometimes we all need that. Because every week I was going deeper and deeper into, you know, I mean, it was beyond USL. It was way beyond that. USL looked positively Champions League compared to some of the stuff I was pulling up. So I am glad I'm thankful for that intervention. Before yeah. we get into the meat of this podcast, Andrew, I have one bit of housekeeping. Um, so those of you who purchased merch in the last week, uh, today we'll, be, uh, we'll start shipping it. So, so look out. Check out for your emails. Where I, I, there's there's a lady in Australia. She's got some t-shirts coming. To her. Oh my goodness! Amazing, absolutely amazing. So That's, cool. Yeah. yeah, and um, they they are extremely comfortable. Uh, I I I wear nothing else around the house. Literally nothing. Just really, you, you Porky Piggot. Yeah. Shirt no shirt no pants. Got to be the weirdest look you can you can muster. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Porky Pig or Winnie the Pooh? I don't know, I, maybe it's probably it might be both. I don't know, but like yeah. thankfully with man thankfully with Manscaped and our continued sponsorship with them, yeah. I am at least groomed when I'm when I'm not wearing any bottoms around the apartment. Well, good. That's nice. Um for all the the Buffalo Bills fans out there who are oh. who had it with football and are taking Jesus. in this podcast as a, as a removal from the NFL because they just want to ensconce themselves in in other things. Welcome. This is a safe space for you. I I do want to say I really before we get into like the soccer of of yeah. this weekend um Important. I think JJ you can make an argument. Like a lot of fan bases out there think that they're fan that they're they're tortured. I know Tottenham fans thrive on that. Everton fans thrive on that ethos. Cruz like, Azul fans. There's a lot of fan bases. I think you can make an argument that the three that the Buffalo Bills are the owners of the three worst losses I think maybe I've ever seen. Right. They have the Super Bowl that they lost to the Giants where they lost on a, on a field goal as time expired. They have the Music City Miracle where they, to this day, I've never seen a playoff game end like that. It was ridiculous. Right. And the 13 seconds game against the Chiefs a couple of years ago. Oh, jeez. They might be the, I mean, look, obviously this is a like, I don't know if those are one, two, and three. But the fact is, if you're having a conversation about the worst losses in NFL history, those three probably do appear somewhere on the list. And for one fan base, and so yesterday the Bills loss wasn't, it doesn't rise to that level, but it's just no. like, it's just adding, it's more fuel to this. Fu- one day they're going to win. They're going to win a Super Bowl one day. And that city, it, it's going to look like what, what Buenos Aires looked like when Argentina won this World Cup. I think Buffalo's going to look like that. And they're an amazing fan base. They're a fan base that anybody in Europe who who is very, very particular about their fan bases. They don't want any plastics or any of that. Buffalo is a place that you can look at and relate to instantly. They are yeah. hardcore. They absolutely love their ball. Um, I, 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 I would say I was rooting so hard for them. Like they are my team now. Like since the Giants have just kind of fallen off, like they're not relevant in the in the in the postseason. The minute the Giants season is over, I'm clicking in, and I want the Bills to do well. I, I like Josh. I like Josh Allen a lot. I think that 
I mean, the problem is now with his contract, with every year that goes by, he's getting paid more and it's going to be harder and harder for them to put the weapons around him that he needs. But I don't want to, I don't want to add further doom and gloom. I would like to say defend the kicker though. He's, he's caught that cleanly. You can argue he should have gone further to the left to carry it over. Well, that was what they were saying is that the, it was known how strong the wind was blowing in that direction. It's just, but that's it's should have accounted it. for it. I don't know. It's, it's caught it. it. It's hit a certain plane of height, and it's literally pulled it. Like Gus, yeah. Gus did it. It's not. It's not the same as the original wide right. I don't think it's as egregious as that. Um, God, yeah. What a weekend, though. What a weekend, and it was a great weekend of soccer too. We've got a lot to talk about. We'll go through Premier League stuff. Ivan Tony controversy. Um, like we said, La Liga, Bundesliga, some January transfer stuff, uh, and the U.S. men. Or U.S. boys, I don't know what you would refer to the the January camp that just happened, but I, I have some thoughts I saw on a that. Few, in, I saw a few tweets uh, when, when the lineups were announced. Who are these people? Yeah, there's a little tweets, bit of that. Which certainly. is a bit hard. I, I almost want to take that time, JJ, as much to discuss that as I do for a, a little look down memory lane. Because I wonder if, if there's a certain age profile of our audience that isn't fully, isn't so well versed in, in the USA-Slovenia rivalry. So I'll take a quick a quick glance down that because if you're under twenty, which is probably a good we, chunk of what? people that listen to us, if you're are under twenty, there? are we at that point already? Thirteen years ago? Oh, come if you're twenty on. years old now, you were seven. So we'll Jeez. I'll just do a quick refresher course on what USA and Slovenia means for a lot of us when you see those two, um, two two teams matched up with one another. The greatest game that never was is kind of what I think of it as. Um, like JJ said, the store, the caught offside store, is fully open i've noticed it looks like the the shirts are flying off the shelves which we we knew would happen we've this has been years in the making so i think we had an unbelievable backlog of people that couldn't wait to do this and and the animals all of you not even just everybody has responded but keep going offsidepod.com keep going and then it is so damn cold out it it has accelerated my interest in in getting winter hats out there for the people well can I just say I, I'm going to drop a little tease on Twitter and uh, on Reddit and on our Instagram because you've come up with a worldly idea. When we were rebranded, um, we had an expert do it, basically, uh, a guy who's at basically the top of that profession and had worked with big brands before. And he, you know, it, there isn't just one, it isn't just one symbol. We've got breakouts from that symbol and you, you kind of picked out part of, of the symbol. And I think it's going to look absolutely fire on the beanies. So, and I just, we need to get them done this week. This week, they have to go up. They have to go up. Yeah. They're amazing. They, they're going to look amazing. And, and they're cool. There's nothing better than something that's branded. That's cool beyond what it is. It's beyond me and you, the, how cool yeah. this will look. And people will be like, oh, what, what's that symbol mean? And, and it's going to be the trendiest thing since Carhartt dropped people, there. People might wear them in the summer. I don't even, we might not even have to rush them out. I think it won't even matter what well, time. Well, listen, you've got go plenty out. of time because it doesn't feel like it's going to get anyways warm until like definitely yeah. about three weeks after St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. And uh, one final thing, like we've mentioned repeatedly over the last month or so, uh, we are a finalist for the Sports Podcast Awards, Best Football Podcast. We are a minnow in a sea of sharks. So please go support this minnow of a podcast because uh, we we know how much you all care about us, and this is your chance to show it. If we can take down Gary Neville, I mean, <laughs> JJ, and he's uh, he's up for like three different awards. This should be a I mean, how many podcasts does one man want? <laughs> yeah. 
But they're all very good. And the thing is, I listen to most of them. He's all he's great. He's awesome. But it would be fun to win that Um, because I I like to think of what would Gary Neville's reaction be if he saw that? Like if someone said, oh, but Andrew Grundling. (laughs) I want to. Yeah, I want to picture that scene in my head that someone is having to tell him that his three podcasts or whatever it is that have been nominated have lost to this show. I just think that would be a fun. I, I want that scene to occur. I'll never see it. But I want to know that somewhere in the world, someone's telling him that Andrew Gunling and J.J. Devaney's podcast have just defeated his two or three that were nominated. On, on, on the last stick to, uh, to stick to football, uh, Roy Keane told Gary Neville he was doing too much and that his body was breaking down through stress. And that's why he was getting <laughs> mouth ulcers and he looked tired and he had a rash in his eye. I'd love to think the stress of figuring out how he's been nominated with us two doinks yeah. is giving him stress. Can't help. Uh, let's get into it now, JJ. While it was a limited slate in the Premier League, as it has been for these last couple of weeks, still yeah. fun. Still much yeah. fun to be had. Fun, 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 yeah. I don't All know. Right. Still, fun... still still, talking points? How still that talking points. Okay. I think <laughs> still good. talking points. I, 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 fun, fun was too much. Um, we'll start with Liverpool. They go five okay. points clear atop the table um, as they go down to the south coast of England and they... I, I was going to say they dismantled Bournemouth. It was, the score was probably a, maybe a little bit unfair to what this game actually was, especially the first half. It was nearly at halftime, though. Pretty even. So. Yeah, pretty even in the first half. Not much to really separate both teams. Literally nothing to separate them on the on the scoreboard where it matters the most. But then Liverpool's class kind of took hold in the second half, and they, they put it to Bournemouth a little bit. And yeah. Yeah, I would say, you know, I put this on the rundown, and I'll reiterate it now for everyone, that, like, if I'm a Liverpool fan, this is not a win that I'm taking lightly or just kind of moving on to the next one. I think this was an important win for them. With the sheer number of key players that they're missing, they're on the road against a team that has, not theoretically, has literally been the informed side of like the last seven or eight games. Yeah, this with is the a, informed striker. Yeah, who was a former Liverpool player. This is This is a really good and important win for Liverpool. They're without, I mean, I was looking at, what would you say? Three of their, you can make a case, maybe three of their five best players between Salah, Trent, Andy Robertson, you know, those guys, if you want to throw them in. Sure. Yeah. All right. Endo. I mean, like it's half their starting 11 essentially is gone. And we've been using that as an excuse for other teams this season, Newcastle, Tottenham, and a valid excuse. I think, I mean, if you're missing half of your eleven. That is, that's not an excuse. It's a reason for why you might struggle. And with you know, Liverpool are starting Joe Gomez and Connor Bradley at fullback, a team that we've come to think rely heavily on that position for a lot of their attacking play. And they just keep rolling. And other guys just step up in their place. You know, Darwin Nunez scores a couple goals. Diogo Jota, who you've been touting recently, looks just brilliant in this mm. game. Uh, there's... I mean, maybe there's a drop off in some way, but they over they compensate for it in other ways. And I think if I'm a Liverpool fan, I I don't know. I I'm starting to starting to think some things about where this season is heading. Well, I was thinking some things when when I heard Trent Alexander Arnold was injured. He straight away you look at the games he's potentially going to miss, and I think Bournemouth. That's a really tough one. Bournemouth away, you know, a team in the past which wasn't as good as their current iteration and still gave Liverpool trouble. Last season, uh, in particular, Liverpool has just found a way to be uh, adaptable. And in a league where everyone else is kind of, I mean, 
the main title contenders have three losses already. Liverpool only have one, and and as a loss, it doesn't really count, or it shouldn't count. Oh, well, easy! Wow. Well, it shouldn't a draw, we, we? We should be calling that one a draw. Come on. You, you don't I'm think there's speechless. a massive aster- asterisk around spe- that one? I don't know what to say. That you mm. would. <laughs> anyway, anyway. <laughs> I shouldn't take anything away from the Ange good feel good moment that you're enjoying. No, I, the first half Liverpool were it was slow, it was stodgy, and and, and again, um, it was it was Klopp Klopp's being able to do things at halftime, make in game changes, and Liverpool are able to kick on and and improve their performance, and that's happened a few times this season, which is that's that's reassuring. I mean, that's that's that's. Kind of venturing, that... We're kind of venturing into territory, JJ, that we discuss with Manchester City a little bit. I mean, what do we always say when De Bruyne was hurt, when Holland was out? We kind of say, yeah, like in theory, those things suck and those are brutal blows. But with City, does it honestly, does it really matter? Starting to, I mean, starting to feel that way a little bit about Liverpool. I think that's because in the past City had like, what what was it? The, the, the substitutions they made in the Champions League semifinal against Real Madrid in the second leg and we're just like... How is this possible? <laughs> that was last season, City. But you're watching the names come off the bench, and you're like, they've got a starting eleven on the bench. But like with I, Liverpool, like when when everyone's healthy, is Jota starting for Liverpool? Well, maybe now he is because he's played his way into that. But well, I, I would. I, well, you've heard what I've thought about him, and and I and yeah. I do think like I, I I would I would have him start starting um all the time for Liverpool. I I think him and and Diaz. Salah are absolutely crucial, and that's not to, like look at Darwin Nunez again. Ten, I mean, he he hit ten goals and ten assists for the season. Mm-hmm. I I will still say, even even his 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 finish the where he, goal. he he threw his two feet at it and it hit his heel and went like he. Again, it it's probably a perception thing. We've had such smooth finishers before, and now we got this guy. But mm-hmm. I mean, he causes teams problems. He, you know. I, I hear what you're saying. Are we reaching that level with Liverpool? I w- I would say no, we're not. I don't I don't think that City at their pomp with the bench that they that they had uh, that Liverpool are comparable to that. Now, by the same token, you can still call on Cody Gakpo to come in, uh, Gravenberg to come in, but I mean the rest like Bobby Clark, Kay Gordon, <laughs> Owen Beck. You know, Liverpool were were stretched, stretched, and and those injuries, um, those injuries that we have are, are still significant. It's um, yeah. I expected the second half to be tougher, and I expected something of a kind of a, a smash and grab. But by the end of the game, it was it was really really comfortable, and Liverpool in possession. Um, there was there was a couple of times you know there were, where you're like, what are what are Bournemouth doing in terms of defending? Where you saw large gaps open up, and 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 Liverpool's midfielders were able to hit balls into those gaps. Um, Jota, Jota springs to mind in particular. The finishes were the finishes were good. Um, the the Darwin Nunez first goal was just a lovely oh, move. It's a great goal, beautiful goal. Um, Curtis Jones thing, is really becoming a nice player. Yeah, but Curtis Jones was a guy who was out of favor for a bit, and a lot of people I know asking, that's why I'm saying becoming. Yeah, and he that, wasn't and viewed that, as that before. Yeah, and and I actually thought it was unfair when Klopp uh, stopped turning to him there earlier in the season, but now he's back in and he's he's been fantastic. Um, that that. Like a really, really good win uh, away on the road. I'm I'm reading all these articles though, Andrew, and um, I don't know if you feel the same way. And maybe this is in the conversation for now, but hmm. every article talks about how 
how good Liverpool are in this moment. And then it's kind of finished with the sentence in some format. However, City probably most likeliest winners this season. Uh, that that's still even though Liverpool are five points clear, I know City have a game in hand and all that. that there still seems to be that feeling that it's well, you feel that way too. Mm, yeah, I know, I know, I know. You've said that, so it's hard. It's hard to shake it. It's, yeah. it's, it's really hard to shake it. Um, and and again, that might be that might be just like muscle memory, repeated, repeated close run Premier League title races where City inevitably win has conditioned us to all probably to feel a bit this way. But um, no, good, really good win for Liverpool. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to go crazy about it. Although there is something really nice when you see uh, Liverpool traveling south and at the end of the game, there's a kind of a, the, the away fans are singing and clock comes over and applauds them. When you see that at this point in the season, you do get that little tingling sensation. I know I did. I, um, I very much doubt that, but I'm I'm getting that kind of, I'm getting that excited feeling. I should also mention at this juncture, I will be there in Anfield on the final day of the season. What? What? Whoa. Mm-hmm. This is this is news to me. Wolves at home. Could there when, be a title? When did this come together? Uh, two weeks ago. I um I thought I, we were friends. Don't I know. Even, I put, you didn't even tell me. I put my name in with the supporters club. Uh, for for t- they had a they had tickets available for three forthcoming games, and I said, you know what, I'll just see if I get drawn, and I I ran I just I didn't think anything of it. I just signed up for the Wolves game, and I uh, I have tickets for that. Oh wow, unbelievable! Yeah. So so we'll be live potting, uh, yeah, we'll, from 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 England on yeah. on the final day of the season. We could do a Super Sunday, <laughs> our own this Super is, Sunday. Wow, this is huge! This is huge. Um, JJ, I wanted to, it probably takes a Liverpool supporter to give a thought on this more than someone like myself, but Jamie Carragher made an interesting comment about Diogo Jota. Uh, he said, I think some of the strikers I played alongside Michael Owen, Luis Suarez, Fernando Torres, Robbie Fowler, I think he, Jota is the best finisher. Now he, Jota does have Liverpool's best shot conversion rate in the Premier League era at 19.3%. Sadio Mane is next at 18.6%. And Fernando Torres is third at seventeen point nine percent. I think, and I would say the quality of some of his. I mean, it feels like every goal that Jota scores is from a difficult angle. So I do. I I can see a little bit maybe what Carragher is talking about. Yeah, but even when he's one on one, you're like he's going to score. You know, he's remember against Tottenham. Of course, you remember against Tottenham last season. Late on, yeah, yeah, the the winner. The one that he was gifted when Lucas Moura just passed the ball to him. That one wasn't. He still had to put it away, and he put it away yeah. well. You know that feeling you get. Where Big asterisk on that game, I think, for Luca, it, Lucas Moura's actions. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. No, he's, he's he is one of those. I, I mean, Carra does qualify that the best footballer of all of those was obviously all around footballer was Suarez. Well, he says finisher. He's not saying footballer. finisher. Finisher. He's I think, very specific. I think, I think Jota. Tough. Fowler was very, very clinical too. But um God. Well think about God. it. I see oh my god. You go you all can't see this. He's sweating right now thinking. Michael o- Michael again, we have to break it down. Michael Owen was for 
I, I'm going to say Owen was still. I'm I'm just going to pick Owen narrowly over over Jota. You don't often get this stressed answering a question or thinking. It's such about a good something. question. You look stressful. It's such yeah. a good question. Yeah, and 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 he will not come close to the volume of bloody amazing goals that um, Suarez that Suarez scored. Yeah, I, I I would like to add a name. Okay, but Daniel Sturridge, had he been able to continue uh, and not be interrupted by injuries. Is one of is the is the best English finisher I've seen in like thirty years outside of probably you know your Canes and your Shearers. So before yeah, before people, I don't know if some if anyone's going to laugh at that, I don't know. But before anyone, they does, can. I, I don't care. I don't care. Well, I should say this: Sturridge was fifth among Liverpool for shot conversion rate. Oh, he's yeah. So and, he oh. he's he is in the conversation he, if you're going off of that statistic, Andrew. He he the the the, the range of finishes he had. Was just truly unbelievable. Dink the keeper, lob the keeper, go round the keeper, side foot, power, everything. Yeah, he had the absolute whole package, and he was just absolutely cursed with injuries. Um, and he, for my, for my money, like he's a far superior finisher than Jermaine Defoe. Um, again, Kane much more, much more consistent and durable. So I'm not gonna. I'm not going to say he was better than 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 Kane, and we just we just didn't have enough of him. He was yeah absolutely brilliant, brilliant. Yeah. Um. Before we move off of this, I, I do want to mention I thought Justin Clivert should have gotten a red. I think so um, too. Yeah, but, I thought that was naughty. Yeah. Dale Johnson said Clivert's tackle wasn't with a straight leg. This indicates more force and is comparable to that of Chelsea's Malo Gusto last weekend, who made a very similar contact on Fulham midfielder William. Gusto was booked, but there was no VAR upgrade to red. Mm. It's yeah. I don't well, know. Okay. It's a fine line, I guess. But I, I saw it when in real time, didn't think anything of it, saw the replay, thought, oh, he's gone. But no, apparently not. So eh, I don't know. Um, let's see. Before we move on, JJ, I do want to mention one one thing that is somewhat Liverpool related. Oh. I want to give credit to one of the animals out there. Um <laughs> Avenge Chelsea FC on Reddit. Oh, this he Don't. went. He went. <laughs> he went right into the hornet's nest, knowing full well how many Liverpool underpants wearers there are that listen to this show. And he basically said that their 2021 title was BS, <laughs> and the title that they're going to win this year is also BS. Now, look, <laughs> I'm not here to judge the take. I'm just here to say that it was courageous. And I, I almost, I think I'd like to start a new segment. On this show, the the Avengers animals, the the Avenged Chelsea FC courageous take of the week. He didn't really have much to back it up, but no, he went nothing. in. He went in with full force. It wasn't a reply to some other thread. He started a thread, yeah, on the Reddit page with that take and just got just destroyed for uh, it. Yeah, but, it was, but it it's was... the, but it's his courage that matters, not necessarily the the content of the take. Good for you, Avenged Chelsea FC. Yeah, he's the guy at the bottom of the mountain with the avalanche coming towards him. That he started by screaming, and he's popping a can of beer, and he's just like, "If I'm going out, I'm going out, absolutely getting smothered." Yeah, I mean, it's it's a, it's just a terrible, terrible point. Like, it, like if he really, 
I mean, just just thoughtless, brainless. But then he admits, I think, further down in the thread that I just hate Liverpool so much that I just <laughs> yeah, really that wasn't evident from the yeah. initial. No, take. he put he put that in. Yeah, it, it it was such a dim take that actually the the only correct way to respond to it was not to respond to it. But oh, but did. he got a response. He got quite oh, a he response. Sure, he sure did. Yeah. So I applaud your courage, and I encourage more of these uh, dim takes. Uh, as JJ puts it, um, I just read it and thought it was so funny because I know how many Liverpool fans listen to this show and he just went, he went right for the jugular. It was hilarious. Mm. Um, let's see. We continue now. JJ Arsenal, maybe a little, little mojo back, a nice five nil pounding uh, of, uh, of floundering Crystal Palace. Who's such fans, a weird, weird fans uh, kind of protested their, their club at the end of this one with a, uh, a long, <laughs> like a long message in banner form. It's like three lines of banners held up. Um, um yeah, very wordy. Was it? Was <laughs> yeah. it the new? Was it the Newcastle supporters a few years ago started the wordy banner? Um, let's let's have a read of what this one was. Wasted potential on and off the pitch. Weak decisions taking us backwards. It's not. I mean, it's not. It's it's not snappy. A lot of words. They didn't fly that over the stadium in an airplane for a reason. Like, you got to pay per letter on those things. And you can't really sing it. Wasted potential on and off of the pitch. Weak decisions <laughs> taking us backward. <laughs> Maybe you can't. Uh, they made their like, point. It was very interesting because for like someone like um, for Parrish, because has he been, has Steve Parrish been protested before? I not like uh, I would have thought. I remember. Oh, here was the other one. Oh, no, this is this one's more troubling. No shared vision, no structured plan. Parish out, Yanks out. Uh, of course, it's always it's always. Well, way. there's so many Americans in, involved in Premier uh, uh, Prem, Premier League football right now that like to say Yanks out, you could. Everyone's like, are you speaking to me? <laughs> um. Yeah. I mean, they were bad, but they weren't that bad. I wish I could uh, have seen more of them this season with both Eze and Elise yeah. healthy at the same time. They're two yeah. of the most exciting. I mean, really, like they they are two of the most exciting players in the league, and they they so rarely have been healthy together. Did I ever? I mean, this is to, this is me just injecting myself into something. But um, Steve Parrish did a question Q and A on Twitter once, <laughs> and I said. Uh, do you and Simon Jordan go to the same barbers? And he responded, responded with a laugh emoji. Um, but uh, well done. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, on the Arsenal side of this, JJ. No, 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 no. Oh. I no, no, no. That's not right. Come on. So okay. if you, if you look at it, the, the performances, the results haven't been great. There's the kind of sense that they are slipping and slipping towards kind of relegation. Um. And that the the supporters are, I, I thought it was a mistake. Like Hodgson coming back in and doing what he did wasn't a mistake, but having him stay on was. And now I think he's going to, my prediction is going to come through from about a month ago where I said he'd be the first one gone. He will be gone. He'll he'd be gone in some format, either moved upstairs, but he will be relieved of his duties. They currently sit in 15th on 21 points, uh, five clear of Luton Town in 16th. I mean... No, no, no. Five, one clear of Nottingham Forest in 16th, five clear of Luton, who are 18th. What, what are you on about? No, sorry, Luton, who are 18th. Excuse me. Yeah. Um, 
But, yeah, but, so, but it should be noted that Nottingham Forest could be receiving a points deduction any day now. So Crystal Palace and I guess Everton could receive another one. Uh, so the, Palace's place in the Premier League could could remain solid, but that yeah. doesn't make what's going on there any better this season. And I wonder if it's kind of a club that's reached a point where like how far can we actually like staying in the Premier League is 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 not enough for their supporters. They want to be pushing forward. Well, I mean, they see teams like, you know, look, five years ago or six, whatever, like, was there a big difference between Palace and West Ham? Or like, look where Brighton no, is now. No, Villa yeah, were, I mean, Villa were in, is, in the championship. And look well, at they where they are Bright- now. They hit Brighton. And so maybe they look down the road at Brighton and they think they're looking at them with envious eyes. Why can't be, we be run like this? But like Brighton are an exception in many ways. Um. <laughs> Hodgson, for me, I don't blame him, but for his own rep- reputation, he should never have gone back in there now. And but to see those protests, I think it's it's this mixture of like just what the Premier League is for a lot of clubs. This kind of nether zone we talk about between like seventeenth and what would you say tenth or eleventh? That mm-hmm. kind of mush and fans' expectations not meeting the realities of football. Like, where can they actually go? It's so crowded now at the top, especially with Villa joining the pack up there. Um, yeah, it's, it's crowded and 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 it's it's difficult. Uh, I, I would love to hear from, we have got some Crystal Palace supporting fans, uh, listeners, and I would love to hear from them. Just tell us what they think about what's going on. Because you're right. I kind of would have looked at them at the start of the season, thought a lot of nice young players. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll be they'll be good or they'll be interesting, and they just haven't been. And the problem is, I, I think the writing is on the wall, just with the the order of things in Premier League football, where they know they're probably not going to be able to keep these guys as a Olise no. for much longer. And so they there might be a feeling of like we had these two incredible talents, and we've kind of squandered this little mini era that we could have had. Um, and that's, yeah, I can and, see that being frustrating. Yeah. And, but honestly, going into this weekend, I did not expect to see banners. I did not to see, expect to see protests directly aimed at the owners. Uh, I did not have them marked as, as a crisis club. So shows what I know. Yeah. Um, on the Arsenal side of things, Statman Dave pointing out Arsenal have now scored 13 goals from set pieces this season. That's more mm-hmm. than any other side in the Premier League. Um, and Ashley Chris Williams Richards now had a nightmare. Well, yeah. Especially on that first goal. I mean, He's gonna he's gonna learn, and this is part of the learning process. But I mean, Gabriel just totally w- with like one move, like it wasn't yeah. like there was no pick really set up. Like it was just like Gabriel, who's not the fastest guy in the field. He kind of just like jukes him, and he's gone. Like that's it. And Richards recovers a little, but at that point, it's too late, and Gabriel rises right over him for an easy header. And look, he's very good. Gabriel got another one later um, on a corner. Um, so he'll he'll do that to guys, but it wasn't wasn't a great look for Chris Richards, and he's just going to learn. You can't. I'm not saying he shut off, but you can't allow. You can't turn your head. You can't allow to be to to be lost like that on a on a set piece. wasn't wasn't great. Um, I saw something interesting, JJ, mm. on match of the day. Ashley Williams. So he 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 presented this theory about uh, Martin Odegaard delivering set pieces and, and strategy that he's relaying to his teammates based on something that he's doing with his socks before the set piece that is signaling, I guess, if it's going to go near post or far post. Now, they don't know if it's true, but I'll say this. I don't know if it is true or if it's not, but if it 
he he should. That's a, like he should be doing that. Everyone should do something like that. It's like to me, it's like a third base coach sending signals to a base runner. Yeah, like, why not make it clear to everybody through some discreet signal as to where you're putting this? So, I mean, they do. I mean, a lot of them. That's been fairly common. One hand goes up, both hands go up. Yeah. you know, to indicate what kind of a ball is going in. Like that's been happening for years. Yeah. Um, I guess they're just trying to find a more fun way to do it. I, I don't know. <laughs> I guess so. Uh, I am not that I wasn't that impressed with Arsenal. That's the thing. And I don't think it's a nice thing to say in a game where they won five nil. Right, exactly. See the two set piece goals, you had the really clever one from Ray, I think it was the Trossard goal where he gets the gets the ball moving really quickly in the counter attack. And then you have two in garbage time. And it's not like the Arsenal didn't deserve to win, I wouldn't I wouldn't argue that, but it was just their open play, their their general kind of breaking down the teams it's not still not there and 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 it's not just me you you if you read Arsbog's uh report he spoke at the end he Arsbog basically basically said look we've had some miserable results we've won 5 mil. i'm not going to harp too much on the negatives or the or the issues that were still visible today i'm paraphrasing and then you had uh one of the guys his last name Suter who writes at football 365 and he kind of pointed out how he didn't know what to make of that 5-0. You know, it's just we have to be guard against, all right, Arsenal, you know, like you said, Mojo back. I'm I'm not sure. I'm still not sure about them. Okay. Fair but enough. it's a 5-0 win, so it's good. Like it's uh, a, yeah. that's a good win. I don't it's it, it's it's difficult, but like I, I still watch them. I think, God, they're making such hard work of these teams. Teams now, that sit in have they have a real, they have a real chance against Arsenal. They they really struggle. And another another piece I read was the wrong Gabriel scoring. Like, well, they both like, scored. Yeah, I mean Gabriel yeah. Martinelli came on, scored twice. Yeah, but there's a there's a Jesus that needs a to do it a couple. Of goals. Oh, oh, the other there's another Gabriel. You're right. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Um, I suppose I, again, that is true. again, you sit here, and we're going to get crushed by Arsenal fans now for even suggesting that a five 0 well, no, it we. could be neg- negatively analyzed. But um, I did see a lot of that. Yeah, all right. Um, but it is five 0 important win for Arsenal, mm. and I guess helping out their goal difference a little bit as well with the the two late ones they got from Martinelli. Um, let's see. Uh, one other Premier League note I wanted to mention: JJ Ivan Tony made his return to football um, as Brentford well, I... beat Nottingham Forest three two. Why? Yeah, it was. Let's not dance around this. Well, well, hang on. Before we before we get to that, um, uh, you know, the kind of the the controversy controversy within his comeback, mm-hmm. the um, there, there seemed to be like a huge groundswell of positivity about this comeback, as as if he'd beaten some great odds. Or that something had been inflicted upon him, some injustice, and he was bouncing back. Um, because I think it was Jamie Carr said, "Well, I was always going to give the man of the match to Ivan Tony, anyways." Why? Yeah, like, Ivan Tony broke what I would say since certainly in American sports was it that which which was the the World Series that was fixed nineteen twelve was it? Um. The with the whites the Black Sox scandal, yeah. Shoeless Joe, was it 1919? I feel like I should know this. Yeah, I want to like say there's... 1919, but yeah. Anyway, yeah, but the the point being that in sports, like what we see, we we have to absolutely believe is kosher and is legit. 
what's happening on the field in front of us is real and that anything, particularly gambling, by a player who plays in that profession, cannot that cannot be allowed. Just to even give the the, the sense that there may be uh, some impropriety. It's a weird. It's a weird thing to run a foul of and get a hero's welcome in your return. Absolutely, for. absolutely. And, and listen, I know we'll get emails and texts. Well, what about the larger? Uh, the, the that football is a wash in gambling advertising and and sure. And all, sure. That doesn't change the the responsibility of the players to not do that. Right. Um, And that probably is why people have taken his side, because they they think that there's some inherent hypocrisy here with sports in general being so embedded with um, mm. with gambling in this day and age. It's just I mean, you can't turn on a sporting event without seeing 10 commercials for them. So so I I see that. But like that doesn't change the fact that it's a rule. There's no secrecy around it. uh, And. I don't know. I mean, it's it's pretty clear cut. It so. is clear cut to me. Uh, now this um, this comeback, this goal from Ivan Tony uh, prompted uh, Peter Drury. I, I guess he was caught up in the mood of the moment because uh, this is something quite spectacular from Peter Drury on comms. Ivan Tony, that show business. Dust at once. Totemic Tony on target on the first day of the rest of his life. That felt weird. Over the top? Oh, way over the top. Totemic Tony, which is, I mean, it's the second week of this kind of alliteration where he had, um, Gorgeous Gordon uh, for Anthony Gordon the week before. Um, but it, it's it, sprinkling magic dust and, and uh, uh, what was it? What was the final line there? Um, the, the, the first day of the rest of his life. Mm. Dr- Drury really does. I, I We've had him on the pod. He was perfectly lovely. We've enjoyed his commentary for years. There's a sense that he's now just like become self-aware. And he leans hard into some of this stuff. I thought there there are some comments that I thought were interesting from Graham Lasso afterwards. They weren't in that clip, but oh. if you were watching the broadcast, um, he says he he's on it quickly. Now, eventually, like the NBC cameras, they show what Tony did. But before that. Yeah. Graham Lasso was was curious about how that goal could have happened. And he says, before you see the replays of Tony moving the ball, he says, I gotta be honest. He's like, that's a great finish and all, but I gotta be honest, I'm I'm a little puzzled by the placement of that wall. And it's like, well, wait a right. minute. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. So obviously everybody's seen it by now. Ivan Tony, he picks up the ball and moves it a little, which is kind of like, okay, I don't know if you should do that. But Happens everyone but everyone kind of does that. But then he it's a real it's a bold double down as he then he moves the ball again and with it takes some of the referee line spray. I didn't realize you could do this, but picks it up and creates almost a new line so as to fool anyone who may have thought they caught him in the act. And he could point and say, no, look, here's the line. Now, in the end, no one caught him in the act, which is mind boggling to me that no mm. one 
on Forrest. No referee. No one saw him do this. And but but crucially, no one in the Forest Wall or Matt Turner made an adjustment to what he'd done. Yeah. Uh Alexi Lalas posted, he said, sneaky, but ref, wall, and goalkeeper should notice and react. Of course. Which I think is I think that's kind of it. I I, I think everyone, I don't know, everyone should Far- probably agree with that. Forest um, writing a letter to the PGMOL. Mm-hmm. After Liverpool's letter and Arsenal's letter this season is just embarrassing stuff. First of all, ball balls being moved around on free kicks, referees turning their back, and and a player grabbing a yard or a half yard adjusting it happens all the time. I think it's because he took the spray that the, makes the, us the feel... foam element. The foam element is what has really got people. Like I don't, I don't know, I don't know where the line is. I use that no pun intended. I don't know what the line is for like gamesmanship or cheating, but the fact that he did that kind of pushes it a little to to one side for me. Now, Craig Burley said this. Uh, he said, so Ivan Tony moved the ball. We've all done it, but it's 2024 and a lot of folks have sod all else to be offended about. <laughs> so Craig has no issue with this whatsoever. Ultimately, I've been no, trying I to don't. decide. I've been trying oh, to decide. God, I don't. I, I I mostly feel the way Craig does. This is not the end of the world, and it is hardly the the game's worst offense, not by a long shot. The only reason for like, going back to what you said at the beginning, it's just a little bit of a weird look to me that this was his first game back after serving an eight month suspension for a major rules violation. Like to do what could be perceived as cheating after just coming back from what is kind of not cheating. It's not, he wasn't suspended for cheating, but like something nefarious. It's just a weird look. Like, remember JJ, when I I, I'm thinking about like Alex Rodriguez, like, remember, I don't know if you'll remember when he did, he was playing for the Yankees. They were playing the blue Jays and he was rounding. He was getting to third base on a pop-up and he shouted, ha, it's mine. As he got to the third baseman, um, Howie Clark. And, Clark let the ball drop, thinking that it was John McDonald, the Blue Jays shortstop, who was coming up to get it, and people were furious about it. Now imagine if Alex Rodriguez had done that same, that very same thing in his first game back from his PED suspension. I think the world would have exploded. I mean, I, honestly, I remember like people would have lost their minds over it. And I think the benefit of the doubt that Tony gets that A Rod doesn't is that what you referenced at the start of this, the way Tony coming back from this was being received, people like him. Yeah. I think that's it here. Likeability has the power to completely shade the way people want to view these things. People like Ivan Tony, people couldn't stand Alex Rodriguez. And I think it's, honestly, I think it's as simple as that. And A-Rod's rap sheet was long and dense. Sure. You know, like, so it, it, I, I do think that has a lot to do with it. I think everyone had decided that Tony was was hard done by and that was it. That was the consensus. As well. And and I, I, I honestly think the media reaction was coming from the fans rather than the other way around. I don't think the media were driving this. I think the sense in the groundswell of a guy who had been hard done by and who was making his comeback was transmitted from, from supporters. That mood was transmitted, transmitted from supporters to media and the media reacted. Peter Drury, Jamie Carragher, um, feeding off that vibe. Um, there, there, there was some things about Tony though, like you know, during this game, like he is a he does feel like a 
a dying breed centre forward. Like he's so physical. There was one ball where he put Mope in and it's just basically, you can see how Brentford can be really, really clinical with him. Andrew, it's just a clip ball. You know, it's a nothing. It's it's not like it's intricate passing or anything. It's just a ball dinked into him and he redirects it. And the on-rushing Neil Mope, maybe you want someone better than Neil Mope rushing onto it, but mm-hmm. nevertheless, you get what he can do and you get why possibly the excited talk about him going to Arsenal, like he would give Arsenal definitely a different dimension, but he would totally change the way their attack would function. Mm-hmm. Oh, that said though, see a lot of clip balls into the far post, a lot of, a lot of crosses for Arsenal. I wonder if he, if he couldn't do a job till the end of the season, but I think the price is not going to work. I think he, he's going to leave Brentford in the summer, but the price right now is not going to work for anyone yeah. really that Brentford have slapped what a hundred million on him. You're not paying that for 28 year old. Jeez. No, no, that's he's yeah. That I don't think they're not getting that for Ivan Tony. He's a good player, but yeah. Um, you have anything else on this? I know you had also mentioned. Was there anything you wanted to say about what was it, Sheffield United West Ham? Oh yeah. So um, so it's one of those games where we've we've long kind of struggled with. From a distance, the West Ham perception, the West Ham supporters' perception of Moyes. Not all West Ham supporters, but a significant rump of them who have kind of wanted him gone even in the Europa Conference League win last season. Um, and this is the game that this will be exhibit A for the, for the prosecution. You know, the players that they had on the field, I know they were missing some quality. Like West Ham were missing like Paqueta and a couple of guys. You know, some really quality players, but they had more than enough to win this game. They were leading in this game and they contrived to find a way to lose it. Ariola coming out and punching, who is it, what, McBurney, cleaning McBurney out of it. And, and, and that's the penalty. And you should have seen Moyes just like crestfallen. And then there was the right at the end, then the ball goes in and it's a struggle between the Sheffield United defender and Jared Bone. And Bone clearly says he's clearly feels he's been pulled over. But if you're watching it, on closer inspection, they're both grappling with each other. And if anything, Jared Bowen kind of pulls him to the ground too. But it just, this game had everything. Uh, how Sheffield United looked sunk when they brought on substitute Rian Brewster and he got sent off for a terrible tackle. Like it was really dreadful tackle, straight red off. And you're like, how are they getting back into this? But they found a way. But in that last 10 minutes where West Ham should be getting the three points against the worst team in the, in the league, and they don't, they just draw. That sums up kind of the ongoing frustration with Moyes. There is a sense that if we had anybody else, we would be putting the teams like this away. Like it, it wouldn't be a question. And I know they're in a good position in the league, relatively speaking, and I know they've had a good run lately, but it's that kind of result that, that really brings together what West Ham fans have in terms of a problem with David Moyes. Yeah, I, I guess you're right. Um, I know there was a lot of outrage over Bowen not winning a penalty there. It seemed like, seemed like pretty much everyone felt it was. I, I felt it at the time, but then the the Sheffield United defender, hold on, give me one second there, Andrew. But I think the Sheffield United defender uh, pulled, uh, tweeted after the game, which it kind of, it felt, it felt weird. Uh, to have the defender just come out on social media and, and deliberately kind of address 
address the issue. Ahmed Dozovic, but he, I think he tweeted out that he said, no, I I, I was literally, uh, I was being pulled down myself by by Bowen. I don't know. I, I saw Mark Clattenburg said afterward, uh, VAR got Sheffield United's late penalty against West Ham very wrong, and it's astounding how Jared Bowen wasn't given a spot kick for the Hammers. Um, and Ali McBurney now becomes the answer to a, a trivia question. That is the latest goal ever scored in the Premier League. Really? The 13th minute of, yeah, I mean, how often are we in the 103rd minute until this year? How Like, would that ever happen? Uh, so maybe, I mean, maybe that'll get broken next week with the way stoppage time is now working. But um, yeah, for the time being, he is the latest, the, the latest goal scorer the Premier League has ever seen. So yeah, I'm watching good. the, uh, there's a still, uh, there's a still of uh, Amadozovic and uh, and Bowen. <laughs> it's hard not to think that it's a it's a penalty. Yeah, it, it looks like one. Um, uh, uh, he he tweeted clearly biased. You can see at uh, yeah he called it he called it clearly biased and that it was somehow edited. So I yeah, mean, do I we know. do we think that's true? I, I don't. Nah, I don't know. I don't, yeah, I, I would have given a penalty there. It would have been. Clearly biased, you can see at the unedited footage where he pulls me down with him and which makes me lose sight of the ball. Obviously, it's been edited to make it look like a pen to West Ham. Not buying it. Anyway, um, yeah, but it was tremendous fun, end of the game. Like real, real chaotic stuff. And it gives, Uh, I guess it gives Sheffield United like a little glimmer of hope that they might do something, but they won't. They're going down. Well, again, their potential points deduction still to be Handed out, so yeah, it's all it's all still very much up in the air, and who knows what some of these points will will mean at the end of the season. Uh, JJ, we'll go. We'll take a break in just a sec, but before that, I want to remind everybody that it's amazing the holidays and New Year's. It all it all feels like it just ended, and already we're we're pretty much at Valentine's Day. JJ, Valentine's oh. Day is knocking. That's right. A Manscaped is the remedy for what the love doctor has ordered. His prescription, the all-new Performance Package 5.0 Ultra, designed to elevate your grooming game and shine like the heartthrob you are. Join the 10 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with our exclusive offer. Go to manscaped.com to snag 20% off uh, and free shipping with the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE. JJ, they uh, red, of course, the, the official color of Valentine's Day, but you know where you don't want to see red. Well, I guess from the referee in a soccer game, but also in the shower when oh god when blood is happening because oh. you decided to use scissors. But also, a, you, you a pre Valentine's Day cleanup. But you don't want to like you're getting intimate, and it's that moment where where the big reveal, not the big reveal, but part of a series of reveals, and uh, and it's and it's red down there. It's cut or shorn too close that it gets those red bumps so it looks like an irritation that's a disaster yeah and i know a lot of men don't want to admit this but we but we all know that it it happens some of us know from personal experience no names need to be mentioned um but let's talk about the real hero of valentine's day and that's the lawnmower 5.0 ultra because all this can be a distant memory and never needs to happen again this electric trimmer features skin safe technology guarding your valentine's day treasure against any grooming mishaps also comes with their the brightest led spotlight yet um which i've said before you wouldn't think much of until you're actually using it and you realize wow this is this is actually extremely helpful also it's waterproof so these shower shaves are now a breeze uh, the, the whole package here also features the Weed Whacker 2.0 nose hair trimmer, Manscaped's liquid formulations, and two free goodies as well. The the Shed Travel Bag and the Boxers 2.0. Um, 
So it's got all this. And for beard, for all of our bearded listeners out there, you and I are with beards as well. Manscaped brings you the Beard Hedger Pro Kit designed to shave your scruff effortlessly, sculpts cheek lines, maintains beard styles, giving you that suave look for your romantic moments. Uh, so get 20% off and free shipping with code CAUGHTOFFSIDE at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code CAUGHTOFFSIDE because your grooming upgrade awaits ready to charm your Valentine's dates. JJ, we'll go ahead. We'll take a break. We got a little Bundesliga, La Liga, U.S. men's national team, January transfer. Still, uh, considering how deep we are into the pod, I, I'm actually stunned to say there's still a lot to do here on Caught Offside. So don't go anywhere. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full important safety information, visit juviderm.com. Oh, back now on Caught Offside. JJ, I, I last week um, mentioned the FIFA Best Awards. I know how how locked in you are, how much you value these things. So I thought it would it only made sense for me to revisit this again because there have been new developments, JJ. Oh. Um Ronaldo, I guess seeing <laughs> seeing all of these awards head Messi's Not way, in... he 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 can't take it anymore. He's had it, um, and so I saw this. Fabrizio Romano tweeted. Uh, Ronaldo said this: uh, Ballon d'Or and the FIFA Best are losing credibility. Uh, he goes on to say, it's not to say that Messi didn't deserve it or Holland or even Mbappe, but the numbers are there and the numbers don't deceive. You have to consider the entire season. The numbers are facts. Uh, I assume what he means by the numbers are he led everyone in goal scoring last season. Where did I, don't he, know, um... I don't know if he's implying that he should have won the Ballon d'Or um, or the FIFA Best. Now, look, we said it was strange that Messi won the FIFA Best. Um, the Ballon d'Or, I don't know that I would have voted for Messi, but it's not crazy to think that the best player at the World Cup would win that award in that year. Um, but the one thing I think we both agreed is that Ronaldo didn't really do. Uh, I don't. I don't know. Do I need to say it? Like he's. I wasn't thinking Ronaldo was robbed. Um, I mean, the only one who thinks Ronaldo was robbed is um, Speed. He he was devastated by that. So he, but there was more though. You can tell the this whole Messi winning this World Cup, I think, has messed up Ronaldo in some way. Like this is he because I think it pushed so many people to the Messi side of the argument. And I know, look, Ronaldo's a legend, and and it's a valid like you can have a valid conversation about who's who's the greatest between those two. But the World Cup 
was huge. And so I think Ronaldo is now looking for these moments to try to get people back on his side. So he said that about the Ballon d'Or and FIFA best losing credibility. And then he was speaking at the Globe Soccer Awards in Dubai, and he was asked where the level of the Saudi top tier is. And Ronaldo responded on stage by saying, to be honest, I think the Saudi league is not worse than the French league, in my opinion. In the French league, I think you have two, three teams. we put some laughter in there, please? (laughs) I think you have two, three teams with a good level. In Saudi, now I think it's more competitive. They can say whatever they want. It's just my opinion. And I played there one year, so I know what I'm talking about. But I think right now we are better than the French league and we still improve. Everything I do is amazing. And you should uh, value me more and keep continuing to value me, even though I am clearly finished. Again, doesn't seem like a seems like maybe a not so subtle dig at Messi's time with PSG is kind of how I read into that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We are better than the French League. Like he's. His retirement is. His life's going to be pretty tricky. It's going to be difficult. I mean, he's going to have to create awards within his house, you know? But I don't know. I wonder when this like retirement... He, he's going to have be... his kids presenting him awards, you know? I think we're still years away from this. I mean, say what you want about where he's playing, but he did score, what was it, 54 goals in, in total last season, something like that. Um, like, it's a terrible it, league. But, but, he, league. but he Everyone doesn't... Everyone wants to leave. But that, and again, that may all very well be true, but if we're talking about an impending retirement, I think that like... No, and it's he can I, like stay I said, there for a long time and and probably still put up numbers. I mean, so you what? saw it like him and he looks like he 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 looks like he's thirty. Like he has not physically, he has not changed in any way. He looks incredible. And it was Ronaldo and Tom Brady, right? Wasn't it that conversation that like pushed Brady to come out of retirement for that last season? Oh, that Ronaldo. I mean, so I don't think I don't think you're going to see whatever this retirement talk is. I would I'd put it to the I'd put it on retired. the shelf. He's in semi-retirement. Well, I mean, that's... He see, is, now, that, now that's... Now you're he's going in, He's in semi-retirement. That's the facts of it. Um, And again, I'll, I'll say this. Roberto Martinez has the toughest job in football now having to bring this guy because he he has no choice. He, he'll have to travel in the summer to the, to, the world, to the European Championships. Which, again, you and I differ a little bit on this. I still believe that if Ronaldo is willing to accept a reduced role then that could be a real benefit. I still do think that. And, and we know his acceptance of reduced roles has, been, well, we'll has see. always been very, very good. We'll see. Time will tell. Time will tell. It's interesting because, the, the, look, the French League part, I knew you would kind of scoff at. But um, this was an interesting – the reason I put this out there with you is that I thought this would be an interesting test case because you've always kind of been anti-Ronaldo and you've always been anti-awards. And so I thought I'm, I'm this will anti- – this will be anti-Ronaldo. You've always been a, you've, you've you've been a, come on. That's that's not far fetched for me to say. I think you've always had a kind of negative bent on Ronaldo. No, the 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 bent Andrew I've had is that I always found him to be an incredibly a weird preening figure, which we've made okay. fun of I, I, together on this podcast for years. Even Don't drag was, me into this. I'm a long time admirer. Even when he was brilliant, we found him to be just an oddball and like a creep. Um, and but like the issue with him is when he's been in in, in real decline. How we've all had to just kind of clap along because there's like these hundreds of thousands of bots that will attack us if we if we don't you know talk about the fact that he has been absolute poison for any team he's played for, pretty much since his last maybe second to last season in Juventus. 
and how he's like a commodity that like a top a top football team just cannot afford. He's that that's what we've talked about. But he's the not, test here, you you basically but you've basically come to the defense of of awards over Ronaldo. It goes to show where on the JJ pyramid of disdain, it goes to show where no. he lies. And, and awards are this is a big win for awards. Oh They're no, really that whole, celebrating at the Ballon d'Or committee right now. That whole segment just I have I I'm total contempt for what you we've just talked about for the last ten minutes. I'm more excited about what we're about to talk about. To be honest. That's right, the Usman January camp. Aye. If JJ is excited to talk about the January camp for the U.S. men's national team, then you know how much contempt he just had for talking mm. awards and Ronaldo. I think that's that. Uh, well, that's a little bit disrespectful now. A little bit disrespectful. Really? To who? To who? The U.S. men's national team January yeah, camp? Yeah, and to me. And to me as well. Well, you're going to wait a long time if you're expecting an apology. Um, JJ, I referenced at the start of the show. Dick, can I ask? Yeah. Do you think you should get full caps for these games? <laughs> these January out. camp games when both sides probably don't have their full, like, you know, they're in the middle of, they're, they're not even in an international break. Right. They're no one has mid- to release. All the European anybody. clubs are not releasing players. I mean, look, ESPN wrote 11 Americans made their first national team appearances, the most in a match in, in 36 years. 13 Slovenians also made their debuts. You had 24 guys in this game earning a first cap. So, yeah, I mean, you know, to that extent, you're right. Now, I'm not going to reduce it to the level and say that, they shouldn't receive a full cap for this. I'm not right. I mean, that's, I'm not sure that that seems rude and condescending and to, to those who played in this game and I won't have it. Um, but look in terms of, and in fairness, I don't see anyone really getting outraged about this. Like if you're looking for a lot to take away from this, look elsewhere, try again. The U S were okay. Slovenia, we're fine. Like, what is all this? It, this is essentially in in another year. This January camp is maybe a way for Bearhalter to find guys that could break into, like, who who could maybe get onto the bench of like the U.S. Nations League first team, mm-hmm. like something like that. But in this year, it's not even that. Like, this January camp was like, who can maybe get onto the bench of the Olympic team? Like, I think that's really so we're really going deep uh, into the pile here of 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 prospects. This is, you know, even by January camp standards, this one, I think, meant even a little bit less. Um, I I think I think for us, we can we can attach some meaning to it. We thought uh, Patrick Schultz was brilliant um, in the postseason for for Columbus crew. We had him on the podcast and. Like I, there'll always be the kind of push towards the 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 goalkeeper playing or regularly in Europe, and I don't think he's dislodging Matt Turner or anything. But at twenty two, if he continues his progression, maybe he gets a move to Europe. Maybe we are looking at down the line a replacement or 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 someone to challenge for that number one spot. Um, I also think, again, uh, <laughs> kind of a personal uh you know, not issue, but Jack McGlynn is capped now for the US. Now, he's not capped tied. That doesn't mean he can't reconsider things, but, you know, he's a dual international and the fact that he has played in this game, been brought into this camp, I think it's significant. Um, Maybe there's a world in which he doesn't see 
a progression with the U.S. men's national team that there are too many, too many, you know, uh, faces ahead of him, or it's too crowded a competition field. But you know, he's a talented young player. He's one that the Football Association of Ireland have, we we believe they have spoken to, um, and. It, I think it's significant that he's played for 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 the US for a, a, a full. That's why I kind of asked: Should we really be given full caps for these? You know. Oh, I see. Um, Ulterior motives. Yeah, but he has his cap now, and I, I'd be curious. Um, I'd be curious to see how this develops. I mean, if he goes to Europe, uh, that could change the dynamic as well for him. He may he may decide that. Uh, well, he may be more front and center, and then he may become. A, kind of a more established part of the senior international squad, but I just thought that was interesting. Other than that, yeah. eh. I mean, there. Look, I thought there were a couple of nice moments for Diego Luna, who's such an interesting player and can be so electric at times. Um, you know, so keep an eye on that. I thought, you know, off the bench, Esmir uh, Bayraktarovic came on. He was really dangerous for the U.S. in that second half. Your guy, uh, John Tolkien, nearly scored an awesome goal. Um, yeah with the outside of his boot and then probably should have scored a more conventional one after that. So like, it, this was not a great day for the U S obviously, but there is a world where, you know, maybe they could have scored one or two in this game. Their finishing just wasn't there. Build up play was so, so again, these are things that I kind of would have expected with not the, ne- not necessarily the most talented crop of players um, trying to play a system that maybe they're not used to. And by the way, maybe they're not even, not even suited for, uh, like I saw Jesse Marsh talking about that, where he was critical a little bit of Bearhalter, maybe trying to um, force a team to play a way that maybe they're not well suited to play. Um, I don't have a huge issue with that. I think if Bearhalter, like for better or worse, if a manager has a style of play, you have to try to get guys indoctrinated into that system. And so I think he was willing to take a loss in this game if it means starting to introduce some of these guys to the way that he wants to do things. So, you know, that's that's fine. I don't have a big problem with that. Ultimately, look. With a January camp like this and with this this group of players, here's the thing is like they're going to keep running into this same issue where like this is an exaggeration a little bit, but you're going to kind of get like almost like a lost generation of players because like if you're a U.S. men's national team guy who's between the ages of like 20 to 23, let's say, kind of screwed. And now I'm not like I know injuries will happen, form will change, things like that. But like the US pretty much knows what their team is. And there's not much breaking through that. And unfortunately, for guys who are between the ages of 20 and 23, the US team right now is really, really young. Yeah. Pulisic and McKinney are 25. They're the vets. Adams is only 24. Way is 23. Dest is 23. Balligan's 22. Reina's 21, Pepe's 21, Musa is 21. Like, if you're one of these other guys who isn't those guys and you're of their same age, what are you doing? Like, again, like, you mentioned McGlynn. I really like him. And I, I, you know, there are guys who are going to have a chance. Like Brendan Aronson, he proved that he's good enough where he can possibly break through and and be a, a, a key player in certain instances for the U.S. But you know, those guys are going to be so few and far between for the next eight years or so. Uh, so it's uh, I, like, I don't know what we're supposed to do with these camps. We can sit here and pretend that they're really important. And like, if they get a couple Olympic contributors out of it, maybe yeah. that will be important. I'd like to see the Olympic team succeed. But if we're talking about Copa Americas and World Cups, I don't, what do you, like? I, I can't tell you that this is important stuff because they we no. know what the team is. 
I mean, the only thing I'd say is you have to be reminded that, uh, particularly about the injury issue, we saw in the stands, Tyler Adams still sat up there watching Bournemouth play in the cold. Sure. You know, not not Tog, not on the bench, not didn't even look close. So, yeah, And that's why I said what I'm saying is a little bit of an exaggeration because guys will get hurt. We've seen that with the U.S. We never have a healthy 11 of what our preferred, you know, even like we're like Dest right. is not playing in the Nations League because he's got his <laughs> stupid red card suspension that he's dealing with. So, like, I get all that. Like, depth is hugely important. But even our depth pieces, I feel like we kind of have a good sense of it. So, yeah, I don't know what to take from this except maybe, you, uh, who knows? Take anything. Why do we have to take anything? It's a game that happened. Yeah, we don't it's have a game that happened. Um, you know, I was saying before, JJ, USA and Slovenia. Do you th- like if you're? A, I I, re- I often refer to it for the US as as the greatest game that never happened. Now the game happened, but it being the greatest game, like we all know what happened next. Any, I don't care how old you are as an American soccer fan, you all know. Everyone out there knows about what Landon Donovan did against Algeria to get the US through. But that game. In all, in all honesty, the U.S.-Algeria game probably never should have – it shouldn't have mattered in the way that it did. And I wonder how many of our listeners – like, do people – am I wrong in wondering how – like, if you're young, you don't know much about the USA-Slovenia game from that World Cup? Do you think I'm not giving our young audience enough credit? In terms of a U.S. game that gets replayed or talked about that was like a multi-goal thriller, it, this hardly comes up. And it's because people were so – you for people who don't remember it, I'll be so quick here because I think most of our audience does. But the U.S. were down two at the half in a hugely important World Cup game. Donovan scored a great goal in the 48th. Then Bradley equalized with maybe the most important goal of his career in the 82nd. And then the U.S. – I don't know how else to put it. They won the game. They won this game in the 85th minute on a on a free kick. Morris Adu scored a brilliant goal in the 85th. And the referee, Komen Koulibaly – inexplicably waved it off to this day. I don't think anyone knows why I know Adu said, and Donovan have said that they repeatedly asked for explanations. They were given none. No one knows why. And it's, it's maddening. And I think if you made a list of, uh, of the three greatest robberies in American soccer history, this, I think this one is on the list. I think number two and three, I think are some combination of this one and the the Germany handball that wasn't called in the O2 quarterfinals. Number one for me, I people don't want to hear this, but number one on my list for American robberies in U.S. soccer, the Panama Phantom goal in 2017. And I oh, think it's, it's see that that's what, I knew you were going to say that it's not talked about enough because people were so mad at the U.S. for losing their game against Trinidad. So people didn't want to give them they they just didn't want to say anything that in some way let them off the hook. But like in a vacuum, Panama did not score. The ball doesn't go over the line. If there's goal line technology, it's not given. And who knows the sliding doors moment that that could be. And by the way, Mexico are an example of it. Because, I mean, they had a game where the U.S. bailed them out and allowed Mexico in through a back door. When when Mexico lost their game, they get in the World Cup. Next thing you know, they're in the round of 16 of a World Cup. So like who knows if Dempsey plays in one more World Cup. What playing in that World Cup in 2018 could have done for Pulisic. I mean, like we'll never know. But to me, again, people don't want to hear it because we're so mad at the U.S. for not holding up their end. But that phantom goal, it's the greatest robbery in U.S. soccer history. But I bring it up because the the Adu Slovenia denied goal. And I always felt so bad for him because, like, look, Morris Adu had a great 
American soccer career for the U.S. And by the way, he goes off, he scores a goal for Rangers to beat Celtic deep. Mm -hmm. I mean, what an experience it is for an American to have been able to have done something. He had a great career, but like, you know, JJ, like if you score a winning goal for your country in, in a huge game in a World Cup, like, I don't care who you are, you're etched into a different echelon of remember, like you're just remembered differently. And Adu had it. He scored a great goal and he could have been one of those guys. And for, um, inexplicably, it was taken from him and no one knows why. And it's not right. I'm watching the highlights of the game as you're talking there. And um, it's always so funny to me how close to the goalkeeper Donovan gets where he absolutely oh, roofs that. He's like incredible, the right? The goalkeeper just pulls back because he's going to get smashed. Terrified. Yeah. Um, I just felt so, bad for Adu. Like, he should have had that moment. Slovenia had two really sweet goals to go 2 0 up. And that's yeah. Bradley. Oh, that's a, that's actually. When we were talking about Bradley, did we even mention how good that goal was? Yeah. Like, that's a sure really good finish coming up off the bounce. Again, it's, I'm telling you, it's a legendary game. But because people were so mad about how it ended, Donovan said afterwards that they were gutted with the 2 2 oh. result, even though it kept their World Cup alive. Um, getting that point. Oh man, that's clutch. Absolutely clutch. Are they going to show the disallowed goal? Donovan free kick. They are. It's not hard oh, to find. Lord. I mean. Oh my God. And by the oh. way, so I went back and rewatched I it too. I can't even see. I can't it's even, crazy. If anything, Bradley's been fouled by the number 18. JJ, I was Brad, watching the BBC. Been... I was watching the BBC's when I was preparing oh, for this podcast. Man. I went back to rewatch and I found the BBC call. Uh, unbiased. I mean, they got no dog in the fight. And they're looking at it and they, they're saying the same thing you just said. They're like, if anything, there's like eight Americans being held by, yeah. by Slovenian players. I mean, Demerit, uh, they, they couldn't the far, believe Jade, it. I think Jay Demerit at the far post has a, a bit of a stranglehold on someone, but like, I'm not. No, uh, it's, yeah. an incre- it's an incredible error. And anytime I see the U.S. and Slovenia playing, uh, my mind just goes immediately. I was watching that game at uh, Jack Dempsey's in Midtown. Right. Um, where I then went for the U.S. Algeria game too, which was incredible. And you got but, really drunk, I heard. But it was—I'll uh, never forget the the like injustice of it all, and just how the frustration of it. And yeah, I always think about that. That must have been a time in your life, you know. Where's Andrew gone? He's gone off to watch soccer at a bar. Yeah, I mean, you do like, what you 13, want. Thirteen, right? fourteen years ago, and you'd be like, "What? Really? No, 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 no. It was for a World Cup." Oh, this no. is of all the things you've said about American soccer, this is your worst. No, this I'm talking egregious. about your family. Your family. Why? Well, it's soccer, not that like your weird little fetish interest that <laughs> they found weird, they found odd and maybe in, in 2002 right. when I was a senior in high school and I was setting an alarm to wake up at three in the morning to watch like the US and Poland, maybe then they would have said it. But by 2010, okay. no, it was just I'm part of just who trying I to was. get a timeline, you know? Part of just who I was at that point. Okay. Okay. All right. Wow. Uh, so, yeah. So there you go. I don't know if, if uh, everyone go back and watch the Maurice Adu goal and get get angry all over again because it's not Damn right. Damn good finish. Damn good finish. He, he goes into a he becomes a forever name in, in American soccer lore. And, uh, you know, as good as he was, I don't know that he's, he's that. not that. He's not and, that. And, no. it's, and it's a shame because he got robbed of it. And no one knows why he's he's he deserves an explanation from that ref. And he's never been given one. It's not right, JJ. I wonder, um, do I still have any contact for him I, uh, from RSA? Do and we'd send him along this segment just just for solidarity purposes. Yeah, we're with you. We stand united. Uh, I wonder if he has like when the U.S. plays Slovenia, if he's like, boss, I can't work this one. It's like PTSD. <laughs> like, I can't. But they don't do it that often. And I'm sure like. He probably called up his boss and said, I can't work this one. And his boss went, who's playing who now? Right. 
<laughs> right. Um, so yeah, if you're someone who was not well versed in that, go back and watch the highlights. Yeah, it's it's pretty, it's really something. Uh, let's see, JJ, a couple more things before we get out. Some marquee results from around Europe, like we talked about. What a weekend! Might have been a quiet one in the Premier League, but good lord, Bayern Munich, horrible, unbelievable loss, one nil mm-hmm. to Werder Bremen. Um, I saw somebody was it Billy T? One of like the Tottenham fan accounts that I love tweeted something like does Kane have to leave Bayern now to win a trophy? Like the same, like the tweets that everybody <laughs> tweeted for the last five years about Kane, does Kane have to leave Tottenham? Like, I mean, yeah. it, it's starting to starting to look like it's whatever I mean, we're waiting for, for this turnaround to occur. This was a huge blow to Bayern's Ver- title I'm, hopes. And Werder Bremen had a really good goal ruled off uh, in the first half. Uh, and I'm still not sure why it was. I mean, he was onside. He started his run, the striker in, uh, in his own half and finished well past, uh, Past Manuel Neuer, yeah, that's, maybe maybe is... Coleman Kolabali was the referee. This is a real, uh, yeah, it's a real problem for them. And then Leverkusen, what a game! Uh, that was it was a brilliant game, and I mean, Xavi Simons was was superb for Leipzig. I thought, I thought his goal looked like Deli Alley's against Crystal Palace. It, it's except not the final touch. Good. The final touch wasn't on the volley, but the. Like kicking it to yourself from one side of your body and around to the, and turning to the other to finish yeah. it looked a lot like it, and it was it was really Leipzig's inability to defend from set pieces that that kind of killed them in the end in this game and uh, and a huge win because like like we said it kind of opens up a little bit now for for uh, for Werder Bremen I think they have one other big team team to play in this stretch and then Leverkusen kinda, you mean sorry Leverkusen and then it opens up a little bit for them but now they're I mean, it's on now. It's really, really on. Yep, very much so. And how? I'm, if you're a Bundesliga executive that's not affiliated with with Bayern Munich, how delighted are you to see this for the market for the marketability of your league and the visibility of your league? Yeah, I mean, look, last year was an incredible title race in the Bundesliga seven as well. Points, but I mean, Bayern have a game in hand, but still seven points. Yeah, yeah, it's going to be. Going to be interesting. I, Leverkusen have um, Mönchengladbach next. And Leverkusen is... still have not lost this season. Last I'm, club. Yeah, to, winnable uh... Darmstadt. And then they have February 10th. That's the one that's... They've got uh, Bayern Munich at home. Woo! Yeah. That'll, that's a, that's the big one. Although, I mean, look, they've given themselves a little bit of a cushion now where they could lose yeah. that and still be just fine. Uh, unbelievable. So, yeah. Great, very compelling weekend in the Bundesliga and in Spain as well. Um, Real Madrid come back from 2-0 down at the half against Almeria, who are, I mean, they're just, they're awful. They're awful. They have not won this year. They're rooted to the bottom. They're 20th. They're going down six points up to this point in the season. And they go to the Bernabeu and they're two goals up. JJ, this game, the controversial nature of what went on in the second half of this one. It's just explain so, it to me. Well, Real Madrid's first goal. So there are the balls played into the middle of the box. It's kind of like bodies are around the ball. looks like it goes through Bellingham tries to get to the end of it. He can't quite, he slides to get it goes out and you think that's it. There's not a whole lot. No one's saying anything. And then all of a sudden the referee's going over to the monitor and you're like, what? And then in the replay, you see that it, maybe there is a handball um, as the ball was going through into the, through the box. But like, 
Jose Lu was kind of pushing the defender and he might have sort of pushed his arm into the ball. It's close. The referee gives it. So it's like, oh, so Almeria are furious. Goal for, for Madrid convert the penalty and they're on their way back 2-1. Then right after that, Almeria come right back down. They score and they go up two goals. Uh, and it's like, wow, after all that controversy on the handball, it's probably th- that might be it right there. But then it's brought back the referee again. You're not expecting it. He's going to the monitor again. Well, what's this for? And in the buildup, uh, I forget who it was for Almeria. Lopi, I think it was. Uh, he took the ball off Bellingham. And in the process, his hand kind of scraped Bellingham's face. Wasn't hard, but he won the ball and Bellingham made a lot of it and went down, grabbed his face. And you kind of didn't see it because like the ball went back the other way so quickly. But the ref goes to the monitor, sees it. Takes it off the board. So Amaria again, <laughs> screwed by VAR. Oh my God, and I'm so, watching it here. And mm, then no. the, the second Real Madrid goal, uh, Vinicius, it gets played into him. From the first look of it, it looked like he headed it in. You see it again, and it comes off what appears to be his arm. And the referee, to his credit, was on it, waved it off immediately. You think, okay, now play will continue. But nope, there he goes again, off to the monitor for a third time. And the commentators on it is Derek Ray. I forget who he was with. They're they're looking at it saying, no, this is not going to get waved off. Referee made the right decision. And they'd think nothing of it. And then the referee, after he goes to the monitor, points the goal. They're, they couldn't, no one could believe it. I mean, the ball looks like it hits Vinicius' arm. Is it shoulder? Where is the line between shoulder and arm? The referee saw what he believed was enough to overrule the initial decision, which I was pretty stunned by. And so... And then, you know, finally, it looks like his shoulder. It's close. It's very close. And then finally, after this, all these injustices, um, Almeria's manager, he gets red carded and like the uh, Geiska uh, Garitano gets sent off in stoppage time. And then right after he's sent off, it's 2-2. And then sure enough, Danny Carvajal tucks home the winner in the 99th minute. What a huge three points it could be for Real Madrid. You know, it's interesting because, yeah, I. People will think certain things based on stuff that I've said recently about Real Madrid, how they're my maybe my favorite team to watch play. However, as a game is transpiring, you you root for who you root for. Like, I'm a neutral in this game, and Almeria are terrible. They're 20th. They have six points. They're at the burnabout. I couldn't ha- you can't help but root for a certain team, and I just found myself so drawn to them and wanting to see them do it because it felt like, like I don't know if any of these calls were gross injustices but it's just like it was you felt like Almeria were very hard done by this they they need all the help they can get to beat Real Madrid they don't need to be playing against the referees as well but JJ it reached a point where even though I was kind of wanting to see them win I would I had reached that point where it got so hilarious to me that all of these 50 hugely controversial 50 50s kept going against them I stopped rooting for any for, for them to win. I was just rooting for more controversial decisions. I wanted to see how far could this go before Geisko Garitano lost his F in mind and pulled his team off the pitch or so. I wanted to see like how many more of these can this poor guy take before he really has a mental breakdown on the field. And he got sent off eventually. Um, but it was just an unbelievable bit of drama playing itself out over and over again in this game for this poor <laughs> for the worst team in La Liga at the Bernabeu. Um, and like you, you looked at some of them, like, I don't, 
I don't know if any of the calls are wrong. Like they might have made all three right calls. It's just like a horrible set of coincidences that they're all kind of 50-50s that could go either way. They all went for Real Madrid against this little team trying to win at the Bernabeu. And it was in like sort of a dark, disturbing way, kind of hilarious and sad for them. No, uh, all, some of those decisions, they're so tight, so marginal. They are. Again, again, no VAR, none of this happens. None of it. So uh, the, the the slap in the face to uh, to Bellingham is. He makes a lot I'm of not, it. Not having it. Not having it. What do you mean? Not a foul? No, it's not a foul. Yeah, but are you surprised that they would call it? Especially once it goes to VAR, it's always getting brought back. Probably not. Probably not. Um, and then meanwhile, so that happened. Then Girona uh, know that the pressure is now on them. They go down a goal really early, come back to beat Sevilla 5-1. Holy cow. Artem Dubbik with a hat trick and scoring goals in the 13th, 15th, 19th minutes. An insane turnaround. And one of the standouts, not just from this game, but this season, has been Savino, a uh, Brazilian 19-year-old. He was incredible in this game, and you're already hearing. I mean, put your money on Man City now. You know he he's he's on loan from Troye in League Two in France. Now he's he's been loaned to Girona. They're all City Group properties. This is all building toward like this is all just a machine. So it's, just, it's just an internal transfer. It's designed, yes, and it's all. He's even said like, what's the quote? There was some quote that I saw where he said something to the effect of like. You know, I was hired. I'm hired to play for Man City. Like it's almost something to that effect. Like this is all pushing him to that direction. This is why Girona winning the league would be so bad, so bad. This kind of stuff. I mean, yeah, I guess, but I still say, like Christian Stuani scored their fifth goal. Like he was like a what was he a Southampton reject or something? Like they are still like you. I get your point. Like you don't want to see multi club ownership is bad, right? However, if you like, if you just look at their team compared to the Barcelona's and Real Madrid's and Atletico Madrid's, like it is, they're very good, Girona, but it is still, I think it, it is still amazing that they're where they are in the table. I will at least grant them that. Um, doesn't mean you're wrong. I we can talk about multiple. But a lot of these players, just because we don't know them, doesn't mean they aren't quality, and doesn't mean that they no, they are quality. Know. But yeah, look at Real Madrid. They, look at Barcelona. Been... Yeah. All right. Um, and with that, we can kind of go into uh, the January transfer news. So Bayern Munich in the news, they're looking to make a move for Newcastle's Kieran Trippier. Odd, very odd. Really interesting. Uh. Um, and then almost as interesting, there's also reports that Al-Shabaab in Saudi Arabia are bidding for Miguel Almiron. And it sounds well, like this not. is pretty much done. It, uh, he just has to agree to it, which I don't. I'm... I haven't seen that he has yet. No, I, apparently he's interested. There's no personal terms that can be worked. But again, you know, here I am negotiating with. So this is right. And this is where it's interesting because, you know, obviously this is where like the whole Saudi ownership thing with Newcastle raises eyebrows. Um, because like if if Newcastle are worried about staying on the right side of the Premier League's PSR, which we are now seeing is a very real threat to some of these clubs that have spent a ton of money in a short time frame, then there's this sense that Newcastle have like an ever present safety valve being able to offload players. Uh, I don't know that I could say this definitively, but potentially for overinflated costs to remain in, in good standing and other clubs don't necessarily have that advantage. Now, having said that it should also be stated that Al Shabaab, the club that Almiron's being linked to are not one of the four clubs in the Saudi league that is owned by the PIF. But who are they owned by? 
I forget the guy's name, but I did look it up earlier. And right, and not, what his business is and how that may be linked to the to to the government of Saudi Arabia anyway. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't know about that. I just know that the PIF owns four clubs in the Saudi League and Al-Shabaab is not one of them. So I don't know. Still raises eyebrows. Um, is, is it Newcastle kind of, if they lose Trippier and Almiron in a season where they're already like, I mean, they're, they're stretched so thin. That's them. That's a white, that's a white flag on this season. And let's just reset and try to get our finances in order and do this again, you know, in the summer. I, that's, yeah, I, I just, that's the this, end of this season. At me. this point in his career, particularly on the run he's on, the run of form, um, Almiron, whatever we know, we kind of know what Almiron is. He's a nice, he's a nice little player, but he's not really, he's not really a top class player. But Kieran Trippier, considering how poor he's been for Newcastle, why, why are, what are Bayern Munich going to well, do? Well, he's been poor it's kind lately. Of the same he's as... still, he has still done Kieran Trippier things really well. Like I think if you look at, um, what was it chance, big chances created, like st- some of those metrics, he's still like top three in in so many of those. He just. Mm. He ran out of gas and he had a horrible two or three weeks that I think has colored the way we look at his season. But the things that Trippier does well, playing in a ball, setting up others, he is still doing those things. He's just had some defensive meltdowns and horrible moments. So I still uh, I told, still think you, he could go to Bayern and be helpful to them. If you told me Trippier and Dyer would be at Bayern. It's, I mean, Harry Kane is just plucking his friends out now. Yeah. And they're and going to think, Kane and just saying, oh, who can we, who's gettable that can help us that you just are. Need, needs but you can recruit <laughs> yeah i don't know yeah um let's see staying in the bundesliga Jaden sancho of course made his uh loan move to borussia dortmund earned a penalty then did you see jj after that he had a really awkward exchange with nicholas fulkrug over who was going to take the penalty i mean fulkrug ended up taking it right yeah and yeah. scored it Jaden sancho's I, I, got a little bit of nerve you just got I, here bud this is, game's yeah, still in the balance it's one nil desperate to get the get the Get everything back on track. Yeah. And, and they kind of laughed about it afterwards. But in the moment, full crew like, wouldn't even look at him. It's like, no, no, get it, beat it. And they, their time did not overlap in Dortmund together, I don't believe. So full crew wouldn't have cared one bit about Sancho's. Oh, no, they, their time did not did not overlap yeah. at all. Not even close. So, yeah, yeah um, he, why would he care? I know I mean, we know what strikers are like. But, yeah, I thought Jaden Sancho had a, thought it was a little bit nervy to, to well, do that. We've heard things about him now. And we're <laughs> he might see. be nervy. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then finally, JJ, Jordan Henderson is officially an Ajax player now uh, after leaving the aforementioned Saudi League. Um, mm. I texted you this the other day. I'll ask you again now on the pod. If I gave you three options as to what Henderson's primary motivation was for wanting to leave. Option one, he hated the league. Option two, he was actually okay with it, but his family did not like their life in Saudi Arabia. Or option three, he started to worry about his chances of making the England team. Which one well, of those do you think is, is most? By the way, it could be all of the above. It could be all. Uh, it, it is worth noting his family didn't live in Saudi Arabia. So they lived in, in Bahrain. So um, he was allowed to live somewhere else. <laughs> um, he hated wow. the league. I would say it's one and three. It's a bit of one and a bit of three, but I'd say he did hate the league. Um, standard was way below. They, they, I mean, Al uh, Al hadn't won a game in 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 weeks. Uh, standard was was very poor. I'm sure he hated that. And then he really realized that he was going to struggle for 
uh, Euro 2024. All stuff he could have figured out before he even answered the phone to say hello. Well, yeah, I'll go to Saudi Arabia. He he probably knew all those things, but he thought that the money that he was going to get this this last big payday would be worth it, and he might have thought that his equity with Southgate was was enough that it could still carry him through. All of those things, I think, have gone wrong. The money, the money has wound up not being worth it. And Southgate, I don't know. It would have been very interesting. I don't see how Jordan Henderson makes that England team. I don't. Um, and by the way, him going to Ajax, I don't know that this helps that either. Um, um, it might more than playing in Saudi Arabia. It, it, yeah, it certainly. I don't. Was, so, I don't know. But, but, but he was in the beggars, beggars can't be choosers uh, zone yeah. at that point, Andrew. So. Um, but yeah, no, uh, I'm, I'm, he deferred, there's a chance he gets none of the money that he earned in, in, in those three months because he deferred all his payments. Uh, so he wouldn't have money in the calendar year 2023, which would be taxable by her, his, his majesty's, uh, customs and, uh, or his, his majesty's inland revenue yeah, or customs or whatever body is involved in that. So, yeah. Uh, all those things. One of the great blunders, mm-hmm. and one of the great to to torpedo your Liverpool captaincy like that to do this. Truly, truly, uh, we'll look back at this and one of the epic uh, dolt moves in the history of football on so many levels. From so a football many. perspective, the reputational hit that he took, um, yeah, just <laughs> he botched it. And he's, I guess, trying to turn it all around now. But I think in a lot of people's minds that that ship has sailed. Pretty incredible. Um, JJ, that's uh, that might be it. It's an enormous podcast considering how little there was at the weekend. <laughs> but there's always so much. Even when yeah. there's nothing, there's a ton. Uh, we'll be back, of course, midweek. There will be much, much, much more to, uh, to get to um, in the world of soccer. Remember, hit the store, caughtoffsidepod.com. Get your T-shirts. They're they're beautiful. They're just gorgeous. Get more than one. There's multiple colors, and um and get your get get to voting for the sports podcast awards. JJ, I enjoyed this immensely. To you, I say. Check you later, phone boy. I'll see you. Take care. You've been listening to the Caught Offside Soccer Podcast. 